This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. Hope you enjoy this podcast. It's set up and designed for coaches, leaders, and influencers to share their stories and inspire others to share their stories as well. That we can all learn together as a community and get better every day. So thank you for listening. Here's season two. Today's guest is Alan Bishop. Coach Bishop is the director of men's basketball sports performance for the University of Houston. We talked to him today about knowing what not to do, how health drives performance, how you use the science to get buy-in, and how with your family and those you love that they get the best of you, not the rest of you. I hope you enjoy this podcast and look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Hey, thanks for reaching out. Uh, really, really happy to be joining here. Yeah, Coach Bishop, I, I, did pre- I appreciate your time. I know uh, you've got you had time with your family earlier, and, and I know it's one of those things we're heading we're in a uh, holiday weekend, and so you know to, to spend some time with us to share your perspective, your story, your journey with us. I really do appreciate it. No, I'm uh, I'm, I'm excited to chat it up. All right, Coach, let's get this thing started now. I start off my every podcast with these questions in that how we introduced to the field and the science of sports performance. Yeah. So for me, it was, uh, it was one of those interesting deals where I, I had had my high school coach had been my strength coach. Uh, you know, I went to two years of high school in Texas and two years of high school in Alabama, uh, both places, you know, obviously the high school, you know, sport coaches are your, your strength coaches, and then when I uh, when I signed to play ball out of uh, out of high school, I actually went to the Air Force Academy. I was there for a semester. Um, just didn't didn't feel like it was the right fit for me. Um, so I ended up transferring out to Utah State. And when I got to Utah State, um, you know, I really started understanding that. Wait a minute, these these five guys who are wearing Nikes and, and shorts and a t-shirt every day that, that don't actually work with us in football as coaches, these guys, you know, they make a living doing this. Yeah. I was like, like, <laughs> man, does, does everybody know about this? Like, why isn't everybody doing this? This is awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so I, I actually, I, I had signed at Utah state and I had declared as a business major and I think it was, I mean, not even probably within a week, I was getting out of that and moving over to physical education. Wow. Um, and so I, I knew right away, I was like, look, if this is a track, it's what I want to do. Um, you know, and then it was it was really interesting because as I started getting to the tail end of playing, uh, I was I was 90 plus percent sure that, that doing this collegiately was what I wanted to do. Um, but there was still a little bit, you know, kind of, kind of in my mind of man, like you know, you, you can do this in high school, you can coach the sport, you know, you can still be a strength coach, and uh, you know, it, there was just a little, little bit of that that was still in my brain. But uh, my wife, her brother was a basketball coach uh, in the same valley that Utah State University is located, and I remember there was an article a letter to the editor written the day after they lost in the state championship game so her brother's basketball coach they come in second place losing the state championship game and there's a disgruntled parent 
writing a letter calling for his resignation because he kept letting the shooter shoot. Oh, no, and I kid you not, kept letting the shooter shoot who weren't making it. And and I was like, you know what? I, I can't deal. I I can't deal with parents. Like I, I I can't deal with you know some kid who's you know look. Your wife's five foot one, bro. Your kid's on JV because he's five foot two. Like I I I, I have nothing for you, man. I'm not having this conversation with you, right? Yeah. So I, I just decided, you know, hey, you know what? The, the, this is a sign, and I am for sure getting into the collegiate side of strength and conditioning. Um, and so I had a, uh, I had a coach, um, you know, my head coach put the word in to give me a job down at Southern Utah university. And so, uh, January, you know, season got done football season got done in December and, uh, January drove down and started up at SUU. So that was the, uh, you know, that was kind of the long story short of, of how I got into it. That's cool, man. Now, that's awesome. I mean, this is what the whole platform is for, is that everybody has different journeys. It's, I mean, it's rarely ever the same path. Uh, there's always different, uh, you know, uh, things that are involved that we don't foresee. Sometimes we start off thinking, yeah, this is what I want to do. And then all of a sudden life just shows up and says, no, this is really what you need to do. There, you know, sometimes our desires and our wants aren't lined up with what we're going to actually be good at. So I think you, you were able to kind of figure that out early, which is great. Now, you talk about your time as a football player. Overall, what was your experience as an athlete, you know, through the collegiate level? You know, mine was a, mine was a little bit different because I was, I was a kid that was probably average in every metric except for my size. Yeah. No, I wasn't wasn't overly fast, wasn't overly strong, explosive, anything like that. Um, but I was you know, I was just a larger than average human being. And so I think I was uh, I was also a kid that was just I loved the game. Yeah. I was very passionate about the game and I and I just I really like to work hard. Um, I think if you were to ask what was, you know, your greatest, you know, skill set in the sport of, you know, the game of football, it would just be, you know what, I was, I was a weight room warrior. So I was going to find a way to get really big and really strong. I mean, that's kind of the reality of it. And so, uh, so with that being said, um, you know, that, that was kind of my experience as an athlete was I came in and I was, uh, you know, I'll do the basketball thing. You know, I'm six, five in shoes. You know, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm about six, four and, uh, I was about 230 pounds and thought I was going to be a tight end. And I left college at, you know, six, four and, uh, about 300 pounds, you know, playing defensive line. So, uh, so yeah. So my experience as an athlete was, it was just a nonstop grind to get, you know, to be big enough, to get strong enough to, you know, eating was just like training where you're just not even hungry, but you almost just got to keep eating to try to put that muscle mass on and, yeah. and put that size on. So, uh, you know, my experience as an athlete was, was good in that sense. Um, you know, I, I played at a school where they had transitioned from big West football, which doesn't exist anymore yeah. to, uh, to an independent, to the Sun Belt, then to the WAC. Now they're in the Mountain West. So, you know, you look at Utah State, I mean, it's just been a non-stop 
shuffle, but every single one of those, I mean, you're, you're stepping up a weight class. Yeah. So you almost got to bring in a whole new recruiting cycle yeah. before you have enough talent to compete in that league. And then you step up another weight class, right? And then you yeah. step up. So for us, it was, uh, you know, it was just, it was a build. Yeah. Um, I remember my, my freshman year, I think we won one game. We were like one in 11, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, I mean, it was just, we, we struggled, man. But, you know, people forget how good that whack was, you know, you yeah. know, Colin Kaepernick was playing out in Nevada and Boise mm-hmm. state was just dominating everybody. Hawaii. Yeah. That's when they, uh, it was June Jones was out there. They were just, I mean, it was, it was a very, very good league. Uh, you know, Carr was out there at uh, Fresno state. I mean, there's just some, just some, some, good teams and good talent in that league. So, I mean, you know, we had a, it took, a, like I said, it took a recruiting cycle, you know, and now, you know, Utah State is, is competing, you know, every single year for for bowls and, and, and whatnot. But at the time, it was just part of a building process. Yeah. So, for me, it was, you know, knowing I wanted to get into coaching and just kind of always looking around and, and seeing what the coaches were doing and how they were handling and, and, uh, you know, their approach to game days, just to everything. Um, I, I felt like I learned early how do you build something. Yeah, wow. That, so, that, there's a lot to be said for that because any, you know, I don't want to say anybody, but most people like to jump into something that's already kind of formatted and they kind of just plug in, which is, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But when yeah. you learn to kind of build stuff and, uh, kind of go from there man it's just a whole different experience quite honestly uh, a lot more yeah. there's a lot more mistakes to make though however uh there's a lot to yeah. really kind of leave your fin- your fingerprints on yeah and, and i'll tell you this make no mistake about it you know again I, I i signed with the air force academy out of high school and i transferred to utah state so like you said you want to jump in somewhere winning if, if alabama had offered me out of high school <laughs> I, I promise i would have gone there yeah no, sure. but uh but it was just uh it was just kind of the uh when i was getting recruited with what i wanted to do it was just the right situation um and to be honest because there was not necessarily the reward of those wins on game day mm-hmm. i i fell in love with the process wow and so i mean it's it was just one of those things where you know, you, you go into every game thinking you're going to win and you feel good about the game plan, uh, you know, but it just, it, it just, like I said, we were in a building, a building time. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, just the process of it, understanding how we trained, how we did film, how we, how we practiced, how we did everything. I just, I just fell in love with the process of it. That's great. Now that's uh, that's maturation from a, from a, from a adversity standpoint, like, there's nobody wants to walk into a program and lose. Nobody wants to, you know, that culture of losing sometimes is contagious and guys can get really complacent and okay with it. And yet you turn it around and it becomes a growth experience. And that's fantastic. Falling in love with the process during that is really uh, important and almost unheard of, but just really, really important to, to learn that. Now, coach, I'd ask you, uh, as far as jumping into the profession, right, the coaching profession, because uh, I always think, you know, people say, well, that's that's our strength guy. Well, your strength guy's a coach, too. He's a teacher, like we talked about earlier, and yeah. he, he's he's applying his knowledge uh, to become, you know, applicable in every way, shape, or form to translate that onto the court or the field or whatever. 
Uh, how you ever have a memorable moment of your first year working with the team and uh, kind of like, man, okay, I'm not a player anymore. This is it. I'm a coach now. How, how would you have anything like that where you had kind of a reality check of like, okay, I, I have some uh, some power or I have some a lot of responsibility, anything like that? You know what? It's uh, right before I had left to take my, my first position at Southern Utah University, I, I remember I was – yeah, I was being mentored by one of the one of the coaches who was at Utah State at the time, and he, he's to this day he is he is the one I probably owe the the most gratitude for the you know any success I've had you know in, in coaching. Uh, but it's a coach by the name of Dave Schultz. He's actually the the head strength coach out at Texas Tech wow. for their football team right now. And I remember he had told me he said you got to look at these kids like they're your kids. Yeah. Wow. And so for me, I was also in another unique spot. I actually, I had just got married um, before finishing playing ball. So, you know, I, I finished out my, my career. I got married and I, me and my wife went down and together to take that first job. And so I remember it was a paradigm shift because at the time I was very one track minded. And my whole thought was, I'm going to come down here. I'm going to dominate this strength game. I'm going to be a head FBS Division One football strength coach within the next five years. I'll be I'll be running an NFL team in ten years. I mean, just just stuff that's you know sunshine and rainbows, right? <laughs> and so uh, you know, this is probably not reality. <laughs> but uh, but I remember I was talking to this uh, you know this coach, Coach Scholes, and he says. Uh, you know, you're going to have to look a parent in the eye and tell them to trust you with their kids for the next four years. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things he said is, you know, you'll see a lot of coaches get caught up, but, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, you're, you're a 22 year old coach and, and you can get caught up in an you know, inappropriate relationship with an 18 year old, you know, for me, like maybe a, a soccer player or a volleyball player or something. Right. Um, where you're just saying it's a close age and that's happened, you know, the strength coaches have had that derail a career. Yeah. Um, you'll have guys that'll have an ego. So if it's someone like me and I'm, I'm a big, uh, physical guy, maybe one of these football players is going to try to check me to see what they can get away with. How you going to respond to it? Yeah. Uh, but I think one of the biggest things I took right away and it was, it was one of those lessons you got to learn early is there's a level of maturity being in this, this position of authority mm. and you know, you got to look at these kids like they're your kids. You've got to train these kids the way you would expect somebody to train your kids. Yeah. So from, from a standpoint of, do I have a memorable moment, like a one thing that just to this day, uh, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I never had a football guy try to bow up to me and I had to <laughs> check my ego. Right. I never had, you know, you know, something that might've been like an inappropriate relationship. I mean, none of those things were ever there, yeah. but I think just it's one of those things that not enough strength coaches here is how do you deal with all these little things that if you want to make a career in this field, you're going to need to navigate. Yeah. And so I feel like year one for me was a lot of those was navigating those things because Southern Utah, I know we had talked about it uh, a little bit before being, in my opinion, at the time, that was probably the toughest job in America. Uh, 
well, there was only two strength coaches. There was the head strength coach and myself. And we had about 400 student athletes. Wow. And, 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 and now mind, this is Division One athletics. Yeah, yeah. wow. 400 kids and, and, and two strength coaches. And so a lot of times what would happen is, you know, one, we were all hands on deck. Uh, so the two of us were just kind of working all day long. Yeah. But he, he would go out to football, and I'd have about three hours of just running teams in the weight room. So uh, you learn to just kind of solve problems and, and figure things out on the fly. You learn how to, how to, how to take a situation that's less than ideal and get the most out of it. Yeah. And so I, you know, I'd say if you're just looking at year one, I think those kind of jobs in the world of, you know, never ever forget where you came from. Yeah. I think those jobs have a lot of value um, be, because I think you, you know, you would agree. And I think a lot of coaches would agree that uh, a lot of the times it's not knowing exactly the right thing to do it's just knowing what not to do yeah wow you know, and, and a lot of times that's you know that'll take you pretty far you don't always have to have the 100 percent correct answer but as long as you can eliminate all the wrong things yeah you're going to be on the right path wow. and so i think that that's what was pretty beneficial for me in that first year that's super wise man you know and i think that's something every coach listening can apply to their careers is like you know, sometimes we get asked tons of questions about this, that, and the third by players or whoever, parents, uh, the other staff members, and we feel like we have to have the answer. Otherwise, why are we even here, right? We don't want to fill it yeah. up, or, or why, why should we be here? Have that question come up. But as long as you know what not to do. I mean, <laughs> I remember I, I worked for the Air Force for a while here, here in San Antonio, and uh, first day there on the job, I had – I worked with a group of Vietnam vets and one of them came to me and he said, look, you keep your nose clean, you'll be here forever. And, uh, you know, that's kind of like that, that mindset, like just keep your nose clean, just stay away from what you're not supposed to do. You'll be fine. And you'll learn as you go. The answers will come with the experience and the time. So like, yeah. that, like that a whole lot, man, navigating through stuff like that. Very important. Now, coach, uh, you, you talk about all these experiences and, kind of how you view your position and, and how you're treating student athletes. But I want to ask you, how, how do you work to complement what coach Sampson's doing and also his vision? You know, I think the, the best thing that any coach can do, whether you're working for coach Sampson or working for anybody else is one, be, be 100% loyal to the guy who trusted you enough to bring you in. Wow. You know, so for, first and foremost, just that, that's got to be how you approach and just handle everything the right way with that guy. Because I come home every night, um, you know, I, I got a wife and two kids mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting food on the table because Coach Samson is signing my check. Wow. Right. So I think number one, just always, always be loyal to that, that guy who, who took a chance on you. And then I would, you know, I'd say too, just do it the right way. You know, no matter what you're doing, just always do it the right way and do right by, by your boss. But, uh, but I think specifically when it comes to coach Sampson, um, you know, the, the culture of our program and, and the accountability within our program, uh, you know, I'll tell people that, that me, I might have the best 
job in America from a standpoint of I've got a head coach that he's got my back and he holds players accountable. Wow. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm not having to hunt guys down if they don't want to train for a day. Yeah. Like they, they know that they'd better come in and, and, you know, gut it out rather than, you know, deal with, with, you know, haven't missed something because it's, it's going to get them, you know, they're going to have to yeah. pay the piper, um, <laughs> you know, from an accountability standpoint. Yeah. Sure. And so, so my thing is I just got to maintain the standards. Coach, Coach Sampson has laid out the standard. Uh, my job is to drive the culture and maintain the standard. Wow. And so I'd say specifically in the situation I'm in, I'd say it's probably the, the two most important things before we start talking about, you know, what kind of squatting we do or, you know, how many days a week we're training. Yeah. It's just, are we maintaining the standards and are we driving the culture? Yeah. That's no, the foundation to everything. It's uh, you can't build upon anything other than that. If you don't have it no, set up. Yeah. No doubt about it. And, uh, and I think it's also important to remember, you know, uh, obviously every, every team that we're going to play is, is being coached up and our guys are being coached up. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, culture, and toughness, I mean, it's going to kick X's and O's ass every single time. No, so. no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, that that's, uh, there's a saying, you know, it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and Joe's. But it's also here, again, about what environment you're cultivating for the Jimmy's and Joe's. And when, when you cultivate an environment that is accepting, first of all, because, yeah, you're, you've been recruited there, so you're accepted. Okay, check that box. Uh, you feel like you're a part of, you having a shared vision because it's a shared experience. Check that box because here again, people are spending time with you and their growth, you know, people, kids want to know that you care. So it's like, yeah, I care enough to get you on that weight bench and push that, you know, push that weight. Like that's how much I care about you. Like I want to see you grow as a person mentally, physically, all that. So yeah, that's great stuff, man. Cause that's, uh, I don't know, that needs to be heard, you know, and I think a lot of coaches aspire to do that with their programs. We talked earlier about Coach Sampson being a great CEO, and that's kind of the point for, uh, for especially for a Division One head coach like him. Like, yeah, you got to be a great CEO. Uh, you got you to win a lot of battles, uh, and so there's that. And so I think he, he set the right foundation for you all. Now, what's your own philosophy, Coach, when it comes to working with student-athletes and how you interact with them? Yeah, you know what? I, I think for me, I think my my entire philosophy can be boiled down to just it, it's health drives performance. Mm, wow. And so I think that you look at health, and I think that can encompass a lot of things. You know, obviously there's, there's a physical, there's a mental, there's a spiritual side. I mean, there's all those different things, and, and it's going to be what's important to that athlete. Uh, you know, when it comes to like the mental, the spiritual, those are things that, you know, I, I think we can have a little bit of a support system to them in. Yeah. But obviously for me, it's going to be the physical side, yeah. right? That's, you know, that's what I got brought in and that's what I'm getting paid to do is, is to physically develop these guys. And so I think from the health standpoint, the, the, the you know, we had talked about knowing what not to do. Yeah. Well, the number one thing not to do is hurt somebody. Yeah. Right. Wow. You know, you, you, you hurt somebody and that derails training, it derails progress, it derails performance, it derails everything. Yeah. Um, I think you start looking at the nutrition side and, you know, the, the standard, you know, American Western diet is not a very healthy 
diet. We live in a culture of being very overfed and undernourished. And so I think from the way we approach training and the way we approach nutrition, the way we approach conditioning, we're making sure that we're trying to keep guys on the floor. We're trying to keep them healthy because you got to remember sports itself is not necessarily a healthy endeavor. Exercise is very healthy. Yeah. But, you know, we talk about football. There's nothing healthy about two, three, two grown men that both weigh 300 pounds running full speed into each other with their heads. Like, that's not a healthy endeavor. Like, you know, nothing for nothing, jumping up, dunking the ball, being, you know, three, four foot up off the ground and coming down hard. That's not healthy long term, right? (laughs) So everything that we're trying to do is complement the health side because as long as we can keep guys healthy, they can perform. Wow. Yeah, I like how you put that because a lot of times I think we assume a kid is healthy because they uh, participate in activities, you know. And yet at that level, to that degree, uh, they, they just entail so much more to be good at it. You know, you could, you, I guess you could be mediocre, but I don't think that's sustainable. Uh, you know, he- unhealthy habits. Uh, I like what you talked about the spiritual and the mental, because I think that right now, especially in times like this, where everything's kind of just, uh, chaotic at times, it, I think young people have a lot more going on than what we would normally, I guess, give them credit for mentally and how they're processing life, how they're processing things, and the spiritual aspect too. Um, there, there, yep. There's also all that, you know, the holistic approach. People talk about that approach, uh, but I'm just not sure if they completely understand how many pillars there are to that. Um, yeah. But I think that's it's super important. So I, like, I really do appreciate what you're saying. Yeah, and you know what? And I'll tell you this too. I'm not even gonna pretend like I'm I'm some spiritual or mental guru that you know. Some some people are just. Uh, I mean, some people are just absolute you know ninjas at that thing, right? They're they're unbelievable at that stuff. Yeah. For me, I'll just be honest, man. I know who I am. I know who I'm not. I you know I grew up you know in a military family with five brothers. Wow. So, you know, the, uh, the, you know, talking about our feelings and, and having, you know, um, emotional maturity, yeah. you know, we, we just kind of punched each other. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but I'll tell you this, I think knowing that as well, um, I, I think you could ask every single, and I say, I think I know you could ask every single one of our guys, you know, they're going to tell you that, that they know I have their best interest in heart. They know that I want, to do right by them. They know that, you know, I, I tell them all the time, like guys, you work your ass off for me. I'm going to do for you. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, so they, they know <clears throat> that I'm here for them. I got their back and all the, you know, they understand that as well. Um, but you know, before we go too far down the road, the, the mental, the spiritual, I think it's also important to, to also know, Hey, if you got to punt, you can go ahead and punt, you know, you know, yeah. we have specialists, uh, you know, we have, we have people who are very, very well equipped that if it does get to that point where someone's really, really struggling with those things, you know, Hey, we got a great support system for them. And while they're working through it, we all got their back too. So that's great. Yeah. No one went to pass it off to knowing one. Hey, this might be too much for my, uh, expertise. And, you know, I think coaches always need to know that you don't want to ever give, and when it comes to, to me personally, I think that when it comes to mental health or spiritual issues, uh, you've got to be very careful about giving your opinion. 
uh, your opinion, ha, it matters to you. It matters to some, but doesn't matter to all. And it's not solid enough sometimes to help people to find their way in life. And cause usually when it helps, when you're coming in the mental health aspect of it and you're trying to be somewhat of a life coach at that point, they have to set up the parameters. They have to set up the, the scheduling of how they want to, uh, open up and, and, you know, feel in the vulnerability to be exposed, you know? So, yeah, yeah, I like what you're saying, kind of passing it off to, to the experts at times, because the experts in that industry wouldn't be trying to help them with their, their gains and all that. So, yeah, got you. Now, coach, yeah, does your experience as an athlete, you know, in particular, uh, division one athlete help to translate some of the science that players may not understand? Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you what. When it comes to the science of it, I mean that that actually really gets me going. Like I, I like me personally, that that's what is almost a passion for me to continue learning yeah. about about the the body. You know the the mechanics of it, the physiology of it. I mean that's the stuff that really really excites me. But. I'd be lying if I said anybody in our weight room cared about it as much as I do. <laughs> and so I yeah. think you got to have a little bit of a feel for it. You, yeah, know, yeah. Like we, you know, we've all seen coaches that they kind of do the, Hey, it's my way or the highway. So just shut up and do it. <laughs> um, you know, we've all seen coaches that talk way too much. You know, they're, they're, you're just trying to break the huddle and they're going on you know, a 10 minute rant. Right. <laughs> and so I think you got to have a little bit of a feel. Um, I think you can use that science to get buy-in. You know, if you're talking to a guy who may not like lifting heavy, but you can explain to him that, hey, these, these fast twitch fibers and the nerves that turn those fast twitch fibers on are about to get trained by this heavy squat followed by these explosive jumps. Wow. And then we're going to you know, train a repetitive effort, and that's going to carry over to the floor. Yeah. I think, you know, that goes a little bit further than, hey, do a heavy overhead press because when you rebound, you reach over your head, right? <laughs> um, you know, it's, we've all heard that one too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think if you can simplify it, I think if, uh, if, if you can use it to get a little bit of buy-in for the guys that would, you know, need to hear it to get the buy-in. But I'll tell you this, more so than the science of it, I think – one of the things that I use is uh, when I was a player, I would always see these NFL scouts sitting in the office talking to our head strength coach. I mean, just, wow. just constantly. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that's a little bit different. Um, you know, a lot of times when we have guys that are NBA guys, you know, you have guys come through the building, but you get a lot more calls, but with football, um, I mean, there's so many NFL players coming from D1 double A's, you know, even division twos that these scouts are out just hitting the pavement hard. So they, they swing through the facilities all the time. Um, and I remember I was, I was always curious what they were talking about. Yeah. And so once I got onto the coaching side of it, you know, I, I kind of found a trend that, that the majority, whether it be an assistant GM, a scout, uh, you know, whoever was in these NBA organizations, realistically, they just want to know, hey, is he going to be where he's supposed to be, when he's supposed to be there? Is he coachable, you know, or, or you know, does he work hard? Is he a good teammate? I mean, those are the kind of things that they want to that they want to know about the guy. 
Yeah. Um, you know, they'll, they'll form an opinion based off of watching them play. You know, they also want to know measurables. Yeah. But, uh, but they, you know, they want to know those things. And so I've actually found that with dealing with players, you know, let, let's say you have an issue and a guy is rolling in late. Um, I mean, you don't necessarily got to crawl down his throat the very first time somebody makes a mistake. But, you know, if something you think is going to be an issue, well, you can get a kid to buy in by saying, look, man, this is what these guys are asking me. They're going to ask me three questions. What am I going to tell them about you when you're not being where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there? You're not working hard when you're in here. And, you know, yeah, you're a good teammate. So you, you've checked one out of three boxes. Mm. Like, I, I ain't going to, I never ask you to lie for me. I ain't going to lie for you. Yeah. Like, that's just going to screw the next guy over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, like you were talking about the science, uh, you know what, man, a, a lot of guys won't care about the science. Some will, some won't, but I think you kind of dive into that other side of it of look, this is how you're being evaluated away from your game yeah. by the guys that you want to you know, pay you a lot of money. And so I, I think that's just another way to look at that. That's great. No, you're, you're, you're saying a lot of things that hopefully they heard from their high school coach too. I know that when I've, when I've, uh, coach players who are prospects is the first thing I tell them. If you want me to lie for you, it's never going to happen. I'm going to always tell the truth because normally those coaches will come back to the gym looking for players that play for me or in my program. And if I send them a guy who I lied to them about, they see that I'm not trustworthy and they'll never come back. And so then that, you know, at the next level that translate into the professional level like you're talking about and i think that's just really good for uh young people to hear because i think uh you we talked earlier about coddling there's too many people that coddle really good athletes and there's nothing wrong with 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 helping them get their confidence up there's nothing wrong with helping them feel special about themselves but when you hurt them by lying for them you're really hurting them and you're you're giving a false sense of of uh, achievement or also that they're going to be able to sustain that kind of cheating mentality through the rest of their lives. Cause we all know that's not sustainable to live a lie over and over again. Just not. Yeah. And you know what? And, and it's the other, the other thing with this is that what, whether it's the next level, whether it's the NBA, whether it's division one, you know, if someone's trying to climb up and play at the next level, you know, not everyone's perfect. You know, yeah. there's, there's some guys that they do have problems, right? Maybe, maybe they are a kid that's not on time. And that's just something you know going into it, but you know that their upside is bigger than their problems. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, uh, but eventually, though, eventually the ball goes flat and eventually that'll catch up on everybody. So, like you said, we're not doing anybody any favors by, by just lying to them, yeah. right? Giving them a false sense of what they are and, and what they're not. Yeah. No, that's great stuff, Coach. Now, I want to ask this question because I think it's important. You know, you're at a Division One program that is uh, fully funded. Everything's there for you. Coach Sampson, you know, lends, lends himself to just providing what you need to help these young men because ultimately that's what institutions should be doing anyways. And so, yeah, he, he's, he's really giving you that freedom now, for the non-Division One schools and the coaches out there that are listening, uh, you think what do you think about as far as them taking a more active role to learn the science of sports performance to the degree that can help their team, not necessarily to become, 
you know, uh, you know, CSC is certified or anything like that. But even I mean, maybe so. But how how do you think they could take a more active role in that uh, that uh, particular uh, pillar of their program? You know, if if you're talking about taking an active role, I think you got to look at it based off the situation you're in. Um, you know, I think the level that that I'm at, you know, I think you can go and hire really good people so that whether you have an active role or not, you know, the job is still going to be done. Yeah. Okay? If you're at the high school level, maybe you want to take a more active role because you don't have somebody, or maybe you want to take a more active role because you do have somebody. You just feel like they aren't giving you the attention or getting the results. Mm. Right. And so I think it's important to, to understand why you're wanting to take that more active role. And if it's just because, Hey, I just want to have a greater understanding of what we're doing so that, you know, we can, we can write practice scripts and, and, you know, and work around what we're doing in the weight room or we can do off season training as a complement to what we're going to be doing in season or how can we build them up together so that when we hit that first game, our, con our conditioning is, is peaked at the right time. I mean, I think that stuff is great. Um, but I would say this, if you do have a strength coach, I would say, let, you know, let your expert be the expert and try to work with them because that is something I hear all the time, you know, especially being in Texas, which is, uh, you know, every school has got a strength coach down here I and mean, every high school has got one, yeah. but uh, you know, a lot, a lot of times it's, it's a football guy that, um, they might just fill in all the other sports in one lifting period. Yeah. Right. So you got, you got tennis and volleyball and basketball and everybody all lifting in one block or they'll come in when football is lifting and they just, you know, put them on the other corner of the room or something. <laughs> so if it's something like that, uh, I mean, again, I would, I would maybe get with your strength coach, you know, they might have a plan. They just don't have the manpower to implement it. Yeah. And then, you know, start learning of, Hey, how can, how can I help? How can I do this? How can I do that? Uh, to take a more active role. And it's going to be a, a very simple way to just look at the card, look at the training you have that day, understand how you can coach up a little bit. Now, if it's a, uh, if it's a deal where no, like I want to get a more in-depth understanding, you know, that CSCS certification, um, you know, I think it's about $500 to go through that course, you know, get the textbook, take the exam, practice exams, et cetera. Um, that, that is just the baseline foundation. So going through that course you know, is not is not a bad way to do it if you're really looking for some unique continuing education. Uh, but I think there's also, I mean, you know, th there's clinics being offered all over the country year round. There's a National High School uh, Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association that holds conferences in every state in the U.S. Uh, there's the big national conferences that the strength coaches go to. There's regional conference. I mean, there's a lot of them out there. So even if you just wanted to take a weekend, take two days and go sit in on one of those, I mean, you get some pretty good insights. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, I don't think uh, it's necessarily a huge percent of the population of those conferences are going to be sport coaches. But you still get them. Um, you know, you'll have football coaches, you'll have basketball coaches, you'll have, uh, you know, you know, Coach Bullwinkle with the Bulls. Man, he goes out to yeah. the uh, he goes out to the uh, one in Vegas every year. 
Yeah. I mean, just to sit down and, and absorb it in. So, I mean, there are a number of, of non-strength coaches that are attended, though. So, I mean, that's maybe a good way to start if you're just looking to kind of dip your toes in and, and learn some things. Yeah, no, that's great advice because that's uh, something that I think here again, as I'm progressing through my career at times, I think, should I, should I get into that more? Should I, you know, like I talked, we talked about earlier, I love going to the gym. I go six days a week, but does that necessarily mean I need to get more uh, education in that? Do I need to become more savvy? And, uh, you know, for myself, I feel like, yes, I do. Uh, so yeah, that's, it's really good advice. You talk about Coach Bowinkle, Dave Bowinkle, good guy, man. Met him a while back, really good guy. Uh, there's just an, on another note. But, uh, Coach, what excites you about working with student-athletes? You know, for me, it's, it's the development side of it. I really, really get a lot of uh, personal, you know, maybe satisfaction, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just, it's something that gives me a lot of joy to see a young kid come in at 18. Because at 18, yes, technically, you know, he's, he's a man, but he's a young man, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, people people say all the time, I'm a grown-ass man. Bro, no, you're not. <laughs> you, you're a young-ass man, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're 18 years old. So take a kid from 18 to 22 to just watch him mature, to watch him develop, to see him grow. I mean, to me, that is that, that is what I get a lot of satisfaction out of. And that's what, you know, don't get me wrong, man. I love, I love the grind of what I do. It's, you know, it's, it's early mornings. It's, it's a long time sitting in that weight room training guys every day. Um, you know, you start adding the nutrition aspect to it. It just takes up more and more time. You know, you go to work when the sun hasn't come up and, and you come home a lot of times after the sun's gone down. It's just kind of the nature of the, the business that we're in. Um, and, and I love the grind of it. But at the end of the day, just watching the student athletes develop yeah. and watching them take those big, massive steps over those two, three, four years, uh, to me, man, that's, you know, that's what, that's what it's all about. That's great. Yeah. Now talking about development and kind of how you're seeing there in that process that they have to, that they're going to go through now that we're kind of in this new world, right? Like things have changed somewhat to a degree that more young people, especially in your program where you have predominantly African-American players, uh, you know, things have changed for them a little bit and how they view the world may have changed as well. How do you look to work with them so that, you know, that unrest, that whole kind of uh, feeling like they've been slighted uh, because it, it's a real thing? Uh, you know, how do you work with them? Because that's they're going to look at you a certain way or they might not look at you a certain way. However, they esteem you, I should say, I put it that way. However, they look up to you. How will you be there for them? You know what? That, I think that's a that's a great question, and I I think that I could answer it in what what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's a universal answer to the bigger problems that we face. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you know, for for me personally, um, with especially with what's going on right now. 
you're right. You know, I've, I've got a room. We've got uh, 15, 15 players on our team. Uh, we have two white players. And we have 13 black players, right? And so with that, I think if you were to go and ask any one of the any one of them, no matter where they're from, what what their race, what their uh, religion, you know, no, no matter what it is, I would I would know that every single one of them would tell you I, I have the best interest in my heart, wow. and that's one thing that no matter what with these guys, you know, they know that I'm here for them, and that my job is to to help them achieve what they want to achieve. So I'm I'm here wow. to help, wow. right? Um, you know, we, I think like a lot of teams, it's, uh, you know, we've, we've taken time and, and we've talked as a team, uh, about things that are going on right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of those things where I think as a, as a white coach, you just have to understand that even though we may have seen racism, we have never experienced yeah. racism. And so if you've got players that are telling you they feel a certain way or, or they don't feel a certain way or that certain things happen to them or certain things don't happen for them, I mean, you, you have to understand that this is such a different perspective that even if you think you understand, you've never experienced it. Yeah. And so I think there's got to be a level of understanding that it is, if this is happening and this is going on, like it's not my job to have an opinion necessarily. It's my job to listen. Yeah. It's my job to understand. And then, you know, Hey, you, you guys know, I love you. You know, I got your back. Whatever you need from me, just let me know. Wow. Well right? said. And, yeah. And I, I just, I'll be honest with you, man. I, I see, I see a lot of coaches that are very vocal about it, you know, whether it be on social media um, and I'm, I'm going to specifically reference white coaches with this. You know, they're very vocal and they're, um, you know, and I think it's a great thing because I think it needs to be addressed that there are, there's maybe different standards within our country, mm-hmm. right? There's, 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 but, uh, but for me, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the best way for me to enact change other than for me to tell the guys that I see every day that look, man, I love you guys and I got you back. Whatever you need, you let me know. Yeah, I, you know, and, and I think we've all got to do it our own way. And I think that that can create some change. And and it's it's deeper and it's going to be more valuable than letting it be a trend, letting it be a hashtag. Wow, letting it just be a you know uh, an Instagram black uh, picture for the day, right? Yeah. Um, the blank picture day. So, so for me, like I said, I, I don't know what the best way to solve this for everybody is. I think everybody's got to do what, what in their heart they feel is best. Uh, and for me, uh, all I can do is be very, very honest with the guys I have and, and with the guys I have in my weight room. Yeah. And that's just let them know that anything you need, I got your back. So, yeah, no, it's great. It's really good stuff. I mean, it's kind of understanding uh, you know, everybody always says stay in your lane, but uh, there is a lane for us to all kind of be in in this thing because, like you said, understanding is really important. I think that's one of the things a lot of people fail to do is in anything in life is they fail to understand their fellow man 
and kind of where they're coming from, what they've been through and how that's developed their life lens. And uh, to constantly be feeling like, well, I just don't get it. I don't understand why this one, you don't, you don't necessarily have to understand it because you can't, you've never been through it. However, you're going to educate yourself. You're going to be there for them. I mean, I think that's, that's so huge. It's huge right now. Being there for young people in this time is invaluable because like you said, there's a lot of trends going on right now. And I think action speaks will always speak louder than words. I love, uh, you know, here again, the sweat equity, literally that you're putting in with them, uh, all that, there's a lot to be said for that. So I, yeah, I do appreciate your approach because that is something that I think, uh, when you're self-aware, like you talked about, you know, who you are, you know, who you're not. And when you're self-aware and then other aware, and you have that emotional intelligence, it takes you a long way with, with, with players in general. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, like you said, you know, knowing who you are, knowing who you're not. Man, I, I grew up on I grew up on army bases, mm-hmm. and uh, so my next door neighbor to the left might have been Hispanic, to the right might have been African American, across the street might have been Filipino, next door to that might have been Japanese. You know, next door to, you know, that might be another white. I mean, it was just, it's just a, such a diverse diverse when you're living on these military bases because there's military housing. I mean, you're just you're just in a very diverse world. And then I left that and immediately went into college athletics as a player where it's a diverse locker room. It's a diverse, you know, just, just all walks of life. And then I got into coaching where it's still diverse. Yeah. And so that's, again, that's why for me, it's, it's I, I would, I mean, I kind of hate saying this. I would not have known that this was as bad as it is and that, you know, in our country, just because you don't, you don't see it on military bases. You don't see it in locker rooms. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of say uh, sports and the military are, you know, are the great unifiers. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, again, I, I just got to know who I am and know who I'm not. And I, and I you know, it's, it's all I can do is let the guys that I'm around, you know, know how I feel about them and, and let them know I got their back. So That's great. But but if, if someone's doing it another way again, more more power to them. However, you know, and whatever we got to do to make sure that you know we're we're correcting this and we're healing the right way and we're we're doing this thing better. Yeah, everybody you know, has, as a whole. Yeah, everybody has a part. Uh, you know, everybody has a part, and wherever I always put it this way, whatever the players let you do, as far as the role you play in their life, embrace it, be the best at it. And, but always do it with a loving heart and always do it with the mindset that they're going to determine how this relationship goes, not necessarily yeah. you as the adult, as the authority figure, if you will. That's great. Now, Coach, yeah. your support system, you talk about your wife and your two kids. How important is your support system throughout your career? Like, you know, coming, like you talked about coming home after the, the sun went down already. How, how's, how important is that for you? You know, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to answer that question, but I'm going to give you a lot, a lot of different, uh, uh, bullet points within the answer. Okay. So within the support system, what we do as coaches is it is not an easy life on a family. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, there's times when, when the highs are really high and the lows are really low. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you, 
a lot of hours, you do a lot of things, but there's there's an understanding that the the players you're working with, you, I mean, those are your kids. So it's not just my wife and my two kids at the house. I got you know the kids I'm working with every day, mm-hmm. and so there's a special place in heaven for a coach's wife. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. it's. It's just a, it's a different dynamic. And I, I think that people often talk about a work life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm going to butcher this because I'm not some great philosophizer or anything like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but I don't, I don't know that that's the right way to look at it. I don't know that there's a work life balance because because there's no such thing as work life or home life or no, there's just life. Right. And so sometimes my work life comes home with me. Wow. And so I'll work a little bit at home, but there's other times. I mean, you know, you said, you know, you see some of the videos that I'll put out on Twitter and and you see my kids lifting with me up on the weekend. So I'll bring my home, my home life to work. Right. Um, and I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, my, my kids love, love our players. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're sitting right behind the bench, right behind me in every home game. You know, if, if I got to be up there on the weekend, I'll usually try to bring one of them and, and they always fight over who gets to go that time. Right. Cause, it, cause we try to rotate it. But, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, just making sure that, that your family's getting uh, the best of you, not the rest of you. Jeez. You know, we, we yeah. come home tired all the time. We come home in bad moods after a tough loss all the time. Right. Yeah. But especially, especially with, uh, you know, with kids, you you almost can't let them ever see the lows. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you just gotta, you know, those kids are excited to see you whether you win every game or lose every game. Yeah. So, you know, so, I mean, I think that's a, that's an important aspect of it is just making sure that, that they're always getting the best of them. But I think the other side of this is, and this is where a lot of coaches, I think if you were to really look yourself in the mirror, um, you know, a lot of people would struggle with this one is does your wife know that if it ever gets too much, all she has to do is let you know and you'll walk away from it. Wow. Um, now I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I, I hope it never gets to that point. I don't, I don't want to walk away from that. Yeah. Um, but you know, Hey, if, if I got to go work at home Depot for a little bit, you know, we'll figure this thing out until, until something else. But if it ever gets too much, like baby, just let me know. And then we'll walk away. Wow. So, you know, I think that's important to always, you know, let, let your spouse know that, you know, again, it, the most important thing in this world is your family. Yeah. And so, you know, as long as they know that, um, you know, and then, you know, I think you can, you can work the rest of it out from there. Fantastic. Great advice, man. Really good stuff. I like what you said. Give them the best of you, not the rest of you. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Appreciate that. Now, what have you sacrificed to be where you're at or not sacrificed or invested? Cause sometimes sacrifices can be an investment to our, for our futures. So what have you either sacrificed or invested to be where you're at today, coach? Oh man. Well, I, you know, this, this is one that gets, it gets a little bit tricky for me to answer because when you talk about sacrifice, 
I mean, we, we've all sacrificed to be where we are. You know, we, we put in long nights, we put in early mornings, um, you know, maybe we didn't make as much money as we would have liked to for those hours early in our career, but it's all about climbing the ladder. Yeah. Right. And just, 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 just career growth and climbing that career ladder. Um, you know, I think one thing that, uh, you know, we talked about having a great, you know, a great support system and a great, you know, family at home. I think early, early in my career, when I was just trying to soak up everything I could soak up in coaching, um, you know, I would, if I had a free weekend, my free weekend was spent driving out to Las Vegas to try to learn something from the coaches at UNLV. Mm. We're driving up, you know, to Logan, Utah. We're driving somewhere. Um, you know, so you, you start talking about sacrifice and that that's a lot of time. Yeah. It's a lot of money that I didn't have. Um, you know, I remember when uh, when I first took that job at Southern Utah, uh, we, we didn't know how we were going to make it work, but we knew we were going to make it work. And um, we loaded everything we had into a small U-Haul, yeah. uh, drove, drove down, unloaded the U-Haul, you know, at the little apartment we were renting out. And that was it. We had no more money in the bank. We had our first month's rent paid and nothing left, wow. right? Um, and so, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that everybody's willing to do that. No. No. So if you talk about sacrifice, um, you know, no, nobody was there at the doctor's office when it was just me and my wife and we were there because she was pregnant. And I think I had $17 and we couldn't afford the $25 copay. Jeez. That's all I had. You know, wow. that's all I had. I had nothing else. Yeah. Um, you know, so you start talking about sacrifice, um, you know, I think it's just those, those little things, being willing to to jump at an opportunity, being willing to to go just just all in on what you want. And you can probably look back, because at the time, that, honestly, it, it wasn't a sacrifice. Mm. It was an opportunity, and we were so excited. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it kind of drives me nuts, because, you know, I'll, I'll listen to – you know, especially strength coaches, man. Some of these, some of these young cats coming up, uh, you know, they, they like to complain a lot. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's pretty embarrassing. Um, you know, they talk about low paying jobs and, and and lack of opportunities. And you know, it's funny because even if it's in basketball, you know, you hear basketball coaches talk about there's just not very many coaching positions, and you know, some of these low major jobs just not paying anything. And it's like, bro. What, what are you talking about, man? Like, do do what it is that you love. I mean, yeah. If you make a little bit of money, like, dude, that's icing on the cake. And, I, and I'm not, I'm not advocating to live in poverty. Like, like, I'm not saying work for free and not be able to feed your wife and kids. But what I'm saying is, it's an opportunity. It should be a springboard. Yeah. Be super excited that you have what you have because there'd be a line around the block of other people willing to take what you're complaining about. Wow. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that, I think if you just talk about the sacrifice, um, you know, really no safety net, no, no money, no nothing. And then just doing everything we could do to try to, 
to to make something out of this field of strength and conditioning, sports performance. Um, but but I I mean again, sacrifice. I I don't know if I like that word because I think I just think it's an opportunity and I think it's part of the process. Yeah, yeah. No, that's why that's why I think about you know when I use that word sacrifice, I also want to throw in investment because. You're, you talk about springboards and opportunities that come up and just not seeing them for what they really are, like having a real perspective of being able to do what you love to do every day. Uh, there really is something to that because everybody always tells us, find what you love to do and do it for the rest of your life. Well, sometimes what we want to do for the rest of our lives doesn't always bring that monetary gain immediately yeah. or initially. And so there is that paying your dues, if you will, but you're paying your dues in something that you love. It'd be different if you're paying your dues in something that you just detested and had so much disdain for every day. So yeah, that's a great, great point of view, coach. Now, what have you learned about yourself throughout your, your career? Cause you're like, here we again, we talked about being a teacher and constantly teaching, and, but there's also the growth mindset that we have to have as coaches. What have you learned about yourself throughout your career coach? You know what? I think, I think two of probably the biggest things that, that I've learned about myself are that number one, I love teaching, right? I mean, that's all coaching is. Coaching is teaching. And I love, I love the, the physical aspect of it, the training, the grind. I love that part of it, but I love teaching people how to train. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, I think the other, the other side of it is, Something I learned about myself is as I've, as I've gone through this, you know, you, you, I've had different positions at different schools. I've interviewed for different jobs. I've gone through a lot of different things. Um, I think the most important thing to remember is that when you're being yourself, you're the best in the world at that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, True. you know, and I remember, uh, you know, kind of, kind of funny. Uh, you know, I had somebody tell me one time, they're like, bro, what are you doing? Just, you know, you know, quit, quit trying to do this, quit trying to do that. Like you are what you are, man. Like just, you're a meathead. You love it. Just, just <laughs> meathead city it up, man. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and it wasn't, it wasn't meant as a slight. It wasn't meant as a, you know, Hey, you're a dummy. So just jump around and yell. Yeah. I think it was just one of those like, dude, don't, like, don't try to be something you're not. Like, yeah. you you love, like, I mean, I am, dude. I'm a meathead. I'm as meathead as it comes, right? I love training. I, I love every bit of it. Um, and I think that when you, when you just embrace who you are, be what you are, you're going to set yourself up to be in the right situations. Um, you know, there, there's some coaches that they, they want nothing to do with a strength coach like me. You know, they, 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 it's just not the right fit. And, and I think it's important to remember that there's other coaches that they don't want what those guys want. Yeah. They don't want, you know, some quote unquote functional Freddie playing with rubber bands and, and doing this at the other. They, they want a, a, just a meathead who's in there getting dudes big, strong and getting after it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it's just important to remember being who you are is going to make sure you end up in the right fit. Mm. And look, just, just if I wear a size 14 shoe and you wear a size 11 shoe, yeah. well, that brand new pair of Jordans 
and size 11. It's not a bad shoe. It just don't fit me. Wow. But it's a, it's a perfect fit for you though. Yeah. It, you know, and that's what I'm saying. So, wow. and vice versa, right? Like you get a pair of 14s. Uh, I mean, I don't know what, what's expensive Yeezys. I don't know. Like, <laughs> dude, that, it's, it's a great, expensive, nice quality shoe. It's just a long fit for you. It's a 14, but like I could wear that. Yeah. And so it'd be a good fit for me. And so I think, uh, I think you start looking at it that way and you just realize that like, look, man, just, just be the best in the world at being what you are and you'll be in the right situations for the, the coach that needs what you bring to the table. Wow. That's great. Great analogy, especially for the younger coaches listening. And some of us older heads, we, uh, we can get down with the Jordan part of it. The easy part, I'm not quite on the easy thing, but the Jordan thing, I'm on it, man. And that's great because it's true. We teach kids that when they go to university, it's got to be the right fit. It can't just be the name on the front, although that is a great, a great attraction. That's a great draw. However, it's still got to be a good fit. It's really still got to be the right opportunity, and it's got to be what's right for you. And so, yeah, that was great stuff, Coach. I appreciate you sharing that and using that analogy because I, I, here again, I can, I can get down with the whole Jordan thing. So, yeah. Uh, so I would ask you, Coach, this is my last question. I, I, was, I ask every guest about legacy, and although you still got a long ways to go, it's somewhat of a working legacy then. Uh, what would you want to be said of you when your career is all said and done? You know what? You, you send me these questions, kind of these talking <laughs> points, and I actually I got to that one. Yeah, and that was about the only thing that when I got there, I don't know that I have an answer for it. Wow. And the reason I well, I'll just tell you the reason I don't have an answer, and, and I'm, I'm not going to have have to have you put the little e explicit next to your uh, podcast or this episode. <laughs> so I'm going to really, really clean this uh, up. Okay. Like, I don't give a flying you-know-what <laughs> about what anybody thinks what I'm doing, wow. right? Yeah. I mean, just at, at the end of the day, like, I, I got to look in the mirror at night. Yeah. And I and I feel great about what I'm doing. Yeah. And I and then I say that. I'll, I'll take that back a little bit. Uh, the, the guy signing my check, Coach Sampson, I, I hope he thinks I'm doing a good job. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but with that being yeah, said, yeah, yeah. you know, um, you know, I, I'm 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 the master at like hearing quotes and forgetting who said it and not giving credit. But I, I can't take credit for this one. But I heard this and it was very very profound. Um, somebody once said, "Never worry about the opinions of somebody you don't ask advice from." Wow. Yeah. 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 I get you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, so don't. I'm not worried about the criticism. Like if somebody's saying, Hey, this guy does this, that, the other, like, well, bro, I, I ain't calling you to ask for your opinion on it anyways. Right. But, but the flip side of that is like, like never forget where you came from and yeah. like, don't, you know, if someone's gassing you up, yeah. don't, don't read too much into that, man. Like, yeah. you know, what is it? Peacock today and feather duster tomorrow. You know? So, <laughs> so, yeah. so when it's all said and done, man, you know, I, I just, I, I hope, you know, my kids know, I love them. My wife knows I love her. Every, every athlete that I was fortunate enough to train are going to know that, that I train them with their best interests in my mind. You know, I try to do right by them, but, but what they say about me, 
I mean, I, I don't, I don't have an answer for you. I, yeah. I guess may, maybe in a few years I'll, uh, I'll change my mind on that. But, uh, <laughs> That's but as of right now, I, I guess I, I don't care enough to, to have an opinion on it. So. That's great, man. We're finishing the interview like we started it, man. It's good stuff. Coach, I really appreciate your time, man. I really do. I thank you so much. Here again, uh, glad you glad you responded. I Here again, just seeing your content, and I was like, man, I got to have this guy on because he's doing some really dynamic things and things that I know you're researching. It's not just something that you just sat around and thought, hey, I'll try this. There's science behind it, and there's a there's a rhyme and a reason, and it's very intentional. So here again, Coach, thank you so much for your time. Well, I appreciate you for that, and I'll uh, I'll probably have to apologize way in advance because uh, bringing a straight coach on, you're probably going to have uh, an hour long conversation with me to get your lowest rated you know, podcast yet. So. Nah, nah, man. We're you know here again. The platforms for for all all those involved in helping to mold and influence young people because that's uh it's a really important job at the end of the day and i just hear again don't think people get enough credit enough run for it and uh, just trying to do my part in helping you guys to to have a, a, a stronger voice out there even though you may not care what people think uh i think at the end of the day people want to know who you guys are and uh so it's really really important so here again thank you all right coach well, i appreciate you no, likewise.